Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, the Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters starting on Global Cat Day, October 16th, around the country, and will travel nationwide through 2022. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of earlier festivals for free on Tubi TV. Well, there's a treat in store for cozy mystery lovers, cat lovers, and just word lovers. Kate Conte is back with another one of her wonderful, absolutely, they're cat, a cat cafe mystery, and they are, they're cat-ish, but they're really very mysterious. She was here before with a whisker of a doubt, and the new one is called Claws for Alarm. I'm going to say hi, Liz, because Kate Conte is in her other life or the other side of her brain an author of seven books in a different mystery series, a little doggy, a little catty. Kind of amazing. Welcome back to the show. I'm surprised you have time to even stop writing and talk. Thank you so much, Tracy. It's great to be back. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your other mystery series or crime series, because we're only going to talk today uh, to you as Kate Conti about Claws for Alarm, but I I think it's an extraordinary accomplishment to pull off these multi-series Books. I mean, you're you're a member of Sisters in Crime National, which I didn't know was a thing, which sounds divine, Sisters in Crime. Sisters in Crime New England, the Mystery Writers of America, and the Cat Writers Association. So tell about the other series, which you write as Liz Mogavero. Absolutely. So I write the Positively Organic Mysteries under Liz Mogavero, which is my real name. Um, And this book follows a woman who has left corporate America and moved to a small town. And she had, she moved there with her Maine Coon cat, Nutty, who was modeled after my previous Maine Coon cat, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Um, But Nutty had some ongoing, you know, health problems, which had caused her to, my character's name is Stan, short for Kristen. Um, So Stan would always cook Nutty's food because he had digestive problems. And when she moved to the small town and had to rethink her life, she ended up um, kind of by default <laughs> becoming a gourmet pet food chef. Oh, how funny. Um, so she great idea. <laughs> friends in the neighborhood by giving, you know, baking treats for, for the local dogs and cats. And that graduated to meals. And then finally she opened up her own shop. So it's, it, it was a really fun series. That's, that I mean, it is. It sounds wonderful. And I look forward to, to having you back on the show to talk about it. What's interesting is that sounds like somebody's fantasy. Is it Liz Mugavero's fantasy. I mean, it sounds like great. That would be so cool. <laughs> well, I don't cook very well. That's my big dirty <laughs> secret that goes with that series. And so I had to, you know, it was funny when I when I contracted for the series, my um, my editor said, oh, and you'll include uh, pet food recipes with the, with each book. And, you know, Uh-oh. at the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. That's great. And so when I got to the end of the book, 
it was like the day before I had to turn it in and I was like oh no I need recipes <laughs> don't I and then so I had to kind of scramble and figure that out and then and then what I didn't realize is that you know people take these things really super seriously I mean really? obviously if you're going to cook for your animal that's serious yeah, right. but yeah people take them very seriously so I learned pretty quick that I needed to get better at that part of it so I actually went out and found a consultant um, a gentleman who owned a gourmet pet food shop and he agreed to be my uh, recipe tester How and provider funny. you know in exchange for credit for his store so it worked out really well that's very clever well here this book is set in a cat cafe i'm going to read just the first couple of pages to sort of set the scene because it's not really so much about the cat cafe is about the crazy people that come in from the outside world to sort of uh, throw everything into into a certain kind of chaos, also involving murder, uh, which I guess is pretty important in a mystery. But uh, the cat cafe idea of how you could just say, sure, I'll keep a couple of cats here and see if people want to adopt them and how that could take over your life and your house. And it's also set in a charming setting. Is this in any way... a a fantasy of yours or a reality of yours where you know somebody who did such a thing? No. So I, I had had in my mind, um, you know, this, this proposal, the cat cafe part of this um, series sort of came, uh, it wasn't the original proposal for the series. So it sort of evolved into this and I had already created the setting, which is a fictional Martha's Vineyard type yep, place. And yep. I'm off the coast of Massachusetts. Um, so I already had that created and then suddenly it turned into, uh, you know, hey, let's put a cat cafe in this, in this series. And I was kind of <laughs> thinking, like, how am I going to do that? It's not really the ideal setting for a cat cafe. But then I figured out how to make it work, just given the fact that um, this island had lost its only rescue organization. Yes, yes due to it was funding. very clever. And so, yeah, so it became a way for me to to get that done. It, it, it was actually a great idea, and I thought this, this could easily happen to a cat-centric, cat-nutty person. I'll just read, and I'm reading it, folks, because Liz says, no thanks, I'm not in the mood to read my own stuff, and <laughs> I get that, but I, I want people to have a sense of, you know, the tone, the style, the language. It's, it's also got a lot of funny and some really great characters, so I'll just read from the beginning of chapter one. When I said I wanted sand between my toes, this wasn't exactly what I meant. I stared down in dismay at the cat litter that was supposed to be in the litter box, but somehow had managed to cover half the floor of my cat cafe instead. Adele Barrows, my star volunteer and fellow crazy cat lady, dare I say maybe even a little crazier than me, handed me a dustpan without even looking up from where she was scooping cat food into bowls with her other hand. They're cats. What do you expect, she said with her pack-a-day rasp. I'd been trying to convince Adele to quit smoking for a year now to no avail. I took the dustpan, biting back my retort, not wanting to sound like a complainer. After all, Adele normally did most of the cleaning here at JJ's House of Purrs, Daybreak Island's first and only cat cafe, and me and my partner Ethan Birdsong's brainchild. We'd soft-launched a year ago when I'd moved back to the island on a whim after a decade-long absence turning my Grandpa Leo's huge home into part cat shelter, part expanded residence, and giving Grandpa a starring role as co-owner. J.J.'s was named after Junkyard Johnny, the stray cat I'd adopted upon my return. He'd found me at my grandmother's funeral, and we immediately became besties. He'd also been an inspiration for the cafe. And while we'd seen much success in our first and mostly rushed iteration, this new summer season was going to be epic, in my opinion. So you set the scene 
really well with, you know, sand between your toes and it's on the vineyard and it's like, uh uh-oh, it's cat litter. So you do get the sense that (laughs) cats sort of take over things. The idea of outsiders, quite obnoxious, la-di-da, fake phony outsiders coming into the bucolic setting, is that something you've seen happen where you live or to other people that live in places once bucolic and now somewhat obnoxious? You know, I, I for someone who grew up in Massachusetts, I didn't spend a ton of time out on the vineyard, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I have heard from uh, people, you know, who have, have lived out there or, or vacationed out there that there is kind of this um, idea that, you know, the people who live there year round are kind of the real the real islanders. Yes. And these other people who come in just for the summer, you know, the summer treats are are sort of the infiltrators right? yes and they're not looked upon completely favorably by the island residents so that's kind of what I was trying to capture um with this setting because I thought it would it would make a lot of good conflict it does and it was a good idea and and this show originating from the Hamptons where I lived year-round which was like a badge of greatness oh year-round now I wasn't a real boniker because I hadn't grown up there, but for 13 years I lived there year-round. And in the early time, which was the, the, the early 90s, it was magical because truly on Labor Day, the place emptied out. There, were, there was maybe one restaurant that stayed open. The movie theater was empty. My friend Kirsten and I would, you know, walk our dogs in the woods or on the beach and then go to the movies completely alone in the theater. And... Memorial Day, the people would come back and everybody local would gripe and grumble. And the vineyard in Nantucket and other places that that's happened to, it's curious because the people who came and come were not people of a shared sensibility of people who would want to live in such a place year round. I think that's part of it. They come for something else that's in like a magazine life, you know, something they read in a magazine Mm -hmm. or saw in a magazine. So there is this kind of, well, I live in Vermont now and I'm considered a complete outsider. I could have come here at age four and still be a flatlander. You're either born here or yeah. you're not. And, it, and I think that's probably true of the, of, the, of the island, the fictional island in the book. It's like everyone's an interloper, e- even the ones who are low key, <laughs> but the high key ones are something else entirely. Did you, the woman who becomes the, uh, the, it's pretty obvious from the moment that we meet her that if anyone's going to die, let it be her kind of thing. But <laughs> did you model her on a particular person? No, she actually is, is not someone who I, who, who is from my real life that I wanted to murder and, and get away with it. Um, she, she just, <laughs> I just kind of, <laughs> which, which there are victims in my books who are, you know, you have some traits of people I know. Um, Oh God, but that's she great. wasn't one. She <laughs> she was someone I just you know, I kind of had an idea in my head of, of what a person who did that job would be and then I kind of blew it way out of proportion and made her really over the top, which I like to do in some of these books. It's, it's so fun. It's, just fun it's so fun. There's I I thought I love the total lack of subtlety. She comes in and she's so <laughs> incredibly cloyingly appreciative of the cat cafe and it's so darling and it's so cute and it's also precious. This is also wonderful. And then she wants to throw a fundraiser, which of course is the other end of the spectrum from the day-to-day cat box cleaning of a cat cafe. Uh, I, I think is is villains can be great, you know. I mean, the devil wears Prada, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, villains. The lack yeah. of subtlety is just wonderful because it gives us all somebody to root against, kind of. Um, what about Absolutely. the 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 murder? 
mystery slash technicalities of murder investigations. You don't seem heavy on that. And I'm sort of grateful for that. I, I always feel when people are going to all this forensic detail, it's like, okay, so you Googled it. I'm kind of kidding. But it, this is more like what would happen if real people had a dead body around. They don't go, get, you know, Google lividity or body temperature, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have to, you know, it, cozies typically don't have those elements, right? But I have to say, I do love, I do love all that. And I, um, I've, I've done a lot of research just on my own. Um, I've gone to the Writers Police Academy, which if, if no one's... If oh, tell about that. Tell about that. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an event that's uh, obviously hasn't been held in person for the past year or two, but... Um, it's held in person. Um, it moved to Wisconsin a couple of years ago. It used to be in North Carolina, but it's put on by um, a former police officer who gathers up pretty much everyone you can imagine from every law enforcement job there is and brings them to this no amazing way. place. And they teach you how to do all of these things. I mean, there's so much to do. It, it's incredible. You can't pack it all in. You can, you know, learn about human trafficking. You can go dig up a shallow grave. Wow. You can break down doors and clear building. It's, it's really fun. Wow. Um, so I've done that. And that was amazing. Um, how many people were there? A, how many people were there, Liz, at the Writers just, Police they Academy? They get a lot of people they get a lot of people. I don't remember exactly, but uh, it's been going on for a long time. I haven't been since I think 2012. Um, and I know, you know, every year it gets bigger and bigger. So no I think that's kidding. actually why they changed locations. Yeah. So it's on my list to go back to. Um, I've also done a Citizens Police Academy in the town where I used to live in Connecticut, which was also fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I do love to to learn about all of the yeah to, to be factual the, you know how law enforcement actually works yeah that's neat the writers guild for screenwriters actually has a whole department where they can put you in touch with an expert on any topic like one on one if you needed more oh cool yeah it's really cool need more advice or information and this was obviously invented or devised in the era before Google. So it is yeah. easy to do an incredible amount of research online, but nothing like an in-person reality check. I think my friend Lisa, who's the captain of the of the volunteer ambulance in East Hampton that I belonged to for a long time, years ago, she took something like a citizen police training, and it was just what you said, to show people what it's like to try and go into a darkened room or house you know, holding a gun. Mm -hmm. They don't give you a real gun. But the fact of the split-second decision you'd have to make and what you might see yeah. and what, what the experience might be like viscerally, physically, just so people, yeah. I think, had more when appreciation it... and understanding of the kind of adrenaline that's happening, you know, amongst other things, as well as knowledge. Absolutely. When I did the Citizens Police Academy, there was one whole, um, one whole session on use of force and they made all of you, no matter, you know, if you wanted to or didn't, they made you come up and they gave you a taser and they had the, you know, a person dressed up, you know, so they right. wouldn't get hurt or anything, but they, but they put you in a situation where you had to decide if you were going to taser the yes. person or not. And, and I remember the situation I was in, you know, I was trying to like talk to the, you know, talk to the, the perpetrator and, and all that. And, and the cop was like, listen, you're, you know, not to, not to sound sexist, but you're, you're a, a, a woman, you're, you know, not very big. Yep. You got to figure out 
what makes the most sense for you to do in that moment and what the danger is. And you taser the guy. Of course <laughs> so you I had do. To actually taser the person. Yep. Of course you <laughs> so. do. I think I think that it's really it's so easy to judge from an armchair. You know, it's like watching football from the armchair. Hey, how come you didn't make that tackle or catch that ball? In these cases life threatening yeah. and it's instantaneous and you know, fight or flight. I mean, that's somehow in all of us. So that's really interesting that, that you did that because I see a cozy mystery isn't supposed to get too gory or too technical. It's supposed to carry Correct. you along with a wonderful tale with interesting people and definitely a mystery to solve, but but not too much nitty gritty. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. But, I, you know, I there are some other things I'm working on that, you know, I, I do like to, um, again, explore the law, law enforcement side of things and, and have more of that technical knowledge. You never know when it might come in handy. <laughs> totally handy. A writer is always a sponge for anything that they can pick up. Well, we're run out of time, but Claws for Alarm is delightful. And and I think that there should be more Thank cozy you. mysteries in life. We, we all have enough of violence and the horrors in real life in the newspaper. And it's fine to have them yeah. sometimes on TV and sometimes in a book, but sometimes it's great to just delve and, and kind of dive into this world you've created. Uh, it's, it's great. It's like almost being there and you almost feel like you can talk back to the characters. Oh, shut up. You know, it's wonderful. Or as you said, <laughs> you know, worse comes to worse. You could just kill one, but it, in this book, yeah. only one gets it. Liz, you've done a wonderful job as Kate Conte, I guess. So this is your fifth one. Are there more to come? Yes. So I'm working on the sixth one right now. Wow. And then I'm also working on, I, I didn't mention this, but as Kate Conte, I do write another series. Um, Sheepers, so it, Creepers. It's called the full, there, there are cats in it, so it is applicable to, to your show. Oh, my um, God. But it's called The Full Moon Mysteries. Yeah, and it's about a um, a woman who finds out in her early 30s that she's really a witch. And so, wow. and of course she has cats. Of course she <laughs> does, because witches would. Oh my God, this is great. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we're going to have, you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to have lots more conversations. That much is really Absolutely. clear. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thanks for all the wonderful stories you tell and tales you spin. Take care. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food, even as part of your kitty's diet.